Who were you before you lost your wild self? That's what we're helping you explore on the Tend Her Wild podcast. Through questions and tools around how best to listen to your inner voice, rewild ourselves, and live the most authentic life where we thrive instead of survive. I'm Betsy. And I'm Kate. And we're so glad you've joined us for this episode. Hello. On today's episode, we are thrilled to be joined by Sasha Schmidt. Sasha is joining us today as a guest. She's been the head coach of the Hawkeye Women's Tennis Program since July of 2016, where she has been extremely successful. In addition to her head coach duties, she is impacting the Iowa City community and is a champion for women's athletics. She is the voice of the Herkies podcast, where she interviews special Hawkeye guests and coordinated the Herkies Hawk Walk which helped celebrate the 50th anniversary of Title IX and all those who have been committed to providing equitable access to sports for girls and women. Additionally, Sasha is a four-year letter winner and the eighth head coach in the 39th history of the program. She was the Hawkeyes team MVP in 1996, so you were a player here, and graduated with a Bachelor of Arts degree in 1996 and earned her Juris Doctorate from the University of Iowa College of Law in 1999. We're just a few years apart. I was going to say, were you guys in law school together? But no. I was 90, yes, 97. So were we there a year together, maybe? Maybe. Yeah, we might have been. I entered, I started in the summer of 97. Okay. So I might have just missed you. You just missed me, yep. She's a mom of two girls and an all-around rock star. So welcome, Sasha. We are so excited. We are so happy to have you here. And we've already been having these amazing conversations beforehand, which always happens before this podcast. We have all these phenomenal introductions. And so we're so happy to have you here. Well, thanks for having me. I have been truly looking forward to this. I'm one of the Attend Her Wilds podcast junkies. So I've listened to all the episodes. (laughs) They've made such an impact on me. I, I remember telling you, Kate, one time, when I can recall an episode, it it must have made such an impact on me that I can recall where I was listening to mm, on the episode. Wow. I know that feeling. You know, where like- You're all, turning a corner yes. and you remember exactly the phrase that I'm the same way, Sasha. <laughs> that, yes. It just felt like it really hits you and you take in everything at that time. So I can remember different spots where I was when I've heard mm. different things that you guys have been speaking about. And your conversations have been- like every one of them has come at a time when I'm like, oh, I needed this. Oh. When you did the sister wounds, I, I was mm. at HTRC on the elliptical machine, you know? <laughs> you sent me a text and you're so like, I am oh listening God. to this and it is resonating with me. Yeah. I mean, at all of those times, I can just remember where I was. And so I'm such a fan of what the two of you guys are doing. I'm a fan of you individually, but you guys coming together, it's just dynamite. Thank you for that. Thank you. And you're exactly the kind of woman we want to interview because you are such a champion for women and Mm -hmm. you are on a path of authenticity and speaking truth and speaking your voice. And I feel like the more we have conversations and we highlight women doing the same, like you said, it encourages you to be like, oh, if she can do it, I can do it. I'm going to step up in a different way. And so we're sending these, I feel like these ripples out. A hundred percent. And I can think of 
women podcast. I started becoming a fan of podcasts really in the summer of 2020 during the pandemic mm. when I think we were longing for connection, but mm -hmm. so isolated and you had all of this time to take walks or do house projects. And I would turn on podcasts. It was like Brene Brown, like yep. Dare to Lead mm -hmm. and Unlocking Us. Jen Hatmaker has really impacted me. I've listened to the Oprah series. I've listened to you guys. I'm a big fan of Glennon Doyle's. Yes. We can do yep. hard things. And I think that in all of these episodes, I'm craving the connection um, and also craving the topics. And it's that authenticity that's coming from those discussions that really, um, I think, has so informed me in ways that I'm just even now kind of understanding. Mm. I've taken it all in. Yeah, I think I'm the same way. I think also the voices, the you know, hearing women using their voices encouraging, encourages all of us to use our own. Yes. It's like... That is, there's a, there's a movement afoot of, no, I'm going to speak my truth. And, yes. and the more women that are empowered to do that, it does just ripple out. And it's, it's a cascading effect because there's power in hearing that, those stories and hearing those voices and then stepping into your own power. Yeah. And for so long, we wouldn't, we didn't have the vulnerability to have the, these discussions. Right. right. And yeah. all of the things we're going through are so universal. Yep. And maybe it's just easier at some point to turn on a podcast and thank goodness there's somebody on the other end that's brave enough to have a conversation, but you get to be receiving and you, you know, podcast, you just feel like you're sitting at the table with, with these people. Them. You're okay. with them. So even though maybe you aren't quite ready yet to even be honest about that topic, you're still Absorbing. participating yeah. in it in a way that's been so powerful from the podcast. Um, I think you sent me an early note and said, feel like I'm sitting here having coffee with you and Betsy. I do. I do. And <laughs> it I was such a usually chai, but you know, I really, really do. And the other thing also about that 2020 time for me and pod and listening to podcast was really the, the time when I, we were going through in the university of Iowa athletic department, the financial crisis and mm -hmm. constantly being reminded of the fact that we could be cutting opportunities for sports. And, um, because we, perhaps wouldn't have a football season or wouldn't have spectators. And I was, it was occurring to me that the storytelling that needs to take place within Iowa women's athletics wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. And so now you get in a situation where maybe our community hasn't connected with anything outside of maybe the football team or the men's basketball team. And yet we, we could lose opportunities for women's athletes because we're in a financial crisis. And so one thing kept leading to another. And I thought, we have to start storytelling and connecting with our community about what's happening in Iowa women's athletics because the the option to cut opportunities for men or women in athletics is just unconscionable to me because that's like a huge growth learning opportunity. We promote leadership, we're in higher education. And it felt like we were at such a disadvantage for our community, maybe perhaps not understanding the value that was mm -hmm. taking place in all of the other right. sports. And so that was actually the initial um, motivation for the Herky's Voice podcast, where I thought we we need to sit down and just have a real authentic conversation about what types of learning is taking place within collegiate athletics, especially for women, since those stories aren't told. Yeah. And we could wait for the Gazette or the Des Moines Register to call or we should Tell just them. do it ourselves. And yeah. you have been amazing it's, in that podcast. It's been an, it's a, a project that 
came out of just that time period. And it's been one of the greatest gifts for me just to be a part of it. And it's women telling their stories. And this is what you're doing on your podcast, what we're doing on our podcast. And I love how you said it's like we're encouraging women might not be ready to take steps, but what we're doing is telling stories in authentic ways, being real, being vulnerable, being open. So many times Kate and I have been like, uh, I'm scared about releasing this. Or I'm scared yeah. about, yeah. you know, can we say it? Can we say that? Can we talk <laughs> about that? Yeah. And we're doing it anyway because we do want to empower women and especially our younger generation yes. who you work with to have a voice. Yeah. And I think that the, I hope it's a ripple effect. I mean, I think oh, that. I believe it is. The, the power of owning your story and your path and your authentic voice. I think for me, um, at, I'm 48 years old. I think that there's so many things that are happening in my life all at one time that have led me to this moment to really try to almost take inventory and figure mm, out yeah. what does the next part of my life look like. You, Betsy, you had said to me one time, we were talking about like midlife crisis mm-hmm. and you had talked about like the, the fact of ego changing naturally. Yeah. 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 I th- so I believe everyone has midlife crisis. I don't think anyone gets away without having some kind of crisis between maybe ages of 38 and 48, you know, that middle life place. And um, Carl Jung said that real life starts at 40. Mm. And what he meant by that is up until 40, you are busy building ego, building career, building a name for yourself, taking action, creating, you know, um, a foundation for yourself and family if you have family. But then after 40, then we have to break all of that down because it doesn't work anymore for us. Like the last half of life is really settling into who you truly are, but it means a lot of stuff has to burn down. And so we struggle with it and we buy sports cars or, you know, have an affair or whatever it is to, you know, make ourselves be able to get through that time. But you could just wake up and be conscious. Yeah. <laughs> and I like the idea of midlife awakening. Midlife awakening <laughs> instead. Yeah, it can be an awakening yeah. instead of a crisis. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like I'm on the verge of maybe even like sometimes I've thought like rebirth almost. Yes. And the fact that COVID happened two years prior to reaching this point, I think had a huge impact on me having the quietness maybe to let some of those things bubble. Oh, yeah. And some of it's projects that you want to do. Some of it's thinking, where do I want to go in the future about my relationships? Like, how am I as a mom? And all of those things kind of come up to the surface, I think, through the quiet reflection that may have happened during the pandemic. And now I'm going through the process of even understanding where that is taking me. Yeah. And death is a part of midlife crisis. And death, like we think of death as bad. Death is so important. I mean, things have to die away for new growth to happen, but we all have this universal fear of death. And so we just keep clinging to old, even if it's been dead on the vine for years, right? Yes. So I I think part of it is just embracing. It's okay for things to end. It's okay for chapters to be over. It's okay for um, you to reach a point that says, okay, I've done that, but now I'm going to move in a different direction. But God, we all struggle with it so much. Yeah. yeah. We like safety and security, even if it is, even if it's not working. suffering, yes. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. On the note of stories, 
Would you be willing to share with listeners kind of your first 10 years and how, yeah. how your story started? And we'd love to hear kind of your foundational years and what, how that, those really form us and, and, and create the person, the person you are. Yeah, I was born in Florida, and my mom and dad uh, actually had a tie to Waterloo, Iowa. My mom is from Waterloo. My dad was in baseball for 47 years, and at one time, he was the manager of the minor league team in Waterloo, Iowa. And my mom was a flight attendant for TWA, but my grandma was one of those super fans that would have players and coaches over to her house for dinner. And she had the new manager over for dinner, which ended up being my dad, and mentioned to him that she had a daughter who was living in San Francisco at the time, but was single, and maybe the next time she came back to Waterloo, they could meet. And so that's how my mom and dad met. So I've always had ties to Iowa from my grandma and my mom's family, but because my dad was in Major League Baseball, you, it's, it, the, I analogize it to being in a military, because you just get hired and fired. So we moved constantly. Mm. Um, and so it's always interesting for me to say exactly where I'm from, but for the first 10 years of my life, most of it was spent in Florida because it was where the Kansas city Royals had spring training, but we would go off in the summer to all different cities, wherever he was stationed. So Montreal, Calgary, um, Kansas city, we were always kind of on the, on the go. Um, and so I grew up in a very, um, athletic family and quickly it became apparent, you know, that the, the biggest um, values of my parents were really education and athletics. And my dad went to Michigan and was an English major, and he was kind of an out-of-the-box um, major league manager. He was loved the theater, loved the mm. arts, really socially, politically engaged. Um, so I kind of absorbed all of that at a young age um, as well. He, um, you know, kind of spent his time writing novels and um, loved poems and literature. Mm. So he was really kind of a, a renaissance man in terms of baseball. Yeah. He was um, somebody that kind of was the first person to invent using statistics and thinking, what? Wait a second. He was like, yeah, that's like such kind a of big like part of baseball. The money ball. He yes. was the he first. Was before. He really, he used the Apple computer wow. when he was the manager of the Oakland A's and would time the runners on first base with the kickoff from the pitcher. And he, he did a lot of innovative things. He was, he was a really well-rounded, interesting man. And my mom really held down the fort because as he traveled and was on road trips, then she um, stopped being a flight attendant and just took care of my brother and I, who's two years younger. So, you know, I would say from probably, I think at nine, we moved to the Bay Area when he became the manager of the Oakland A's. But up until that point, you know, we, we had a... A, a real kind of nomadic life where we would move a lot. I would be in school, but sometimes have to be pulled out of the last couple of weeks of school to finish, um, which is maybe papers that I would send back, you know, to second or first grade as we were traveling. <laughs> but they were really important. And I've thought about a lot of you guys have talked about your lives. I've thought about mine often. And I think what informed me at a young age was my deep, um, concern for making my parents proud. Oh, wow. Very, very deep concern. I, Do you know where it came from? Yeah. I just like think you're aware I of it, but I'm curious. imagine having them be disappointed in me. And I don't know, I, I definitely admired my parents tremendously, really admired my dad. He was a very humble man, but he was very um, public. So, you know, I, I knew everybody knew my dad 
Um, but it's it was a little ne- extra pressure on that. Yeah. I, that could have been where it was because I, I knew that, you know, if we wherever we were, um, you would you would say, well, my dad is Steve Boros, and that was immediately known. So we mm. were in the public eye, and as I was in my middle school years. He was, he was a major league manager for Oakland and San Diego. So that's the type of thing where in those media markets, um, he's very, very well known. Mm. But it was never in a way where I thought it was ever grand in terms of feeling like he was a celebrity. I was just very proud of him because mm. he was very humble, if, if, if I can yeah. describe that in that way. So I, I felt probably a responsibility to really. Um, You're the firstborn. I was the firstborn. Well. Yep. Yeah. That, so that yes. whole like yes and you good, know do to good. do the political I always ran you know in my little schools I always ran for office um I was a leader I wanted to do really well in school and then athletics and so quickly it became that um did you play all the sports I mean clearly I did, you ended yeah. in tennis but. I did and he really liked tennis because he thought like it was a lifelong sport so I you know I probably probably even chose tennis because of mom and dad too. Mm-hmm. I mean, in so many ways, I was working so hard to make them very, very proud. I mean, I, w- I was not a party crazy kid at all. I did probably everything really by the book, mm-hmm. honestly, yeah. you know, which I've often thought now could be contributing to this unlayering of myself yeah. at this age yes. where I'm just really getting down to you're rewilding like what who what am I yes. if I yes. don't have to please my parents yes. who am I if I don't have to make people happy I'm who am I if me. I don't have yes. to make them proud of me yes yeah. one of the things I'm so happy you're I know. Rewilding right yeah, now. No, I know it's and hard I identify, and that's why I've just gravitated to your episodes I, I there were one book that I read also during the pandemic that has just really been so instrumental for me has been untamed by Glennon Doyle. Yeah. I read that too. It was like at the time, I, 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 yes, it really was. It was one of those where you just absorb in every cellular part of my body. I absorbed what she was saying. And in one point she had said, you must always refuse to disappoint yourself before you just, you know, before you, you will disappoint others. And I have thought so many times I probably made a lot of decisions so that I wouldn't disappoint others. Oh, I'm with you, Sasha. I related to that big time, right? It's sort of like, and, and I don't think it's caught up with me until now, until midlife, right? Whereas before, um, making decisions that would please people like kept me safe or made me feel protected or, you know, gave me some kind of power because if they're on my side, then I have power. And now where I'm sitting, almost 48 as well. It's sort of like I am refusing to do anything that sacrifices my relationship to Betsy. It's like that is the only relationship that's going to last until my last breath on earth, right? So why do I keep putting all these other people first whereas and and sacrificing my connection to self? So it's, it's but, also such a message to our our daughters, yeah, kids, our yeah. children <clears throat> because in the end, I think when, when we do allow ourselves to make decisions for ourselves, we are, we are, we end up impacting those around us in a more positive way because we are actually fully ourselves and wholly ourselves and living that way, which they witness. They, um, it makes me, I know it makes me a better mom when I feel like I'm in my authentic self because I'm also more vulnerable. And I say, Hey, 
mom screwed up, <laughs> you know, yeah. or, and, and there's the, so there's so many lessons in that. And when we try to keep it all together and project something that isn't real. Yes. I think our kids and those around you feel that too. You bet. So, yeah. um, yeah. And I think I'm still even now trying to remind, it's a constant reminder of that because I think when you guys talk about the years from zero to 10 impacting you in such a strong way, what other people think of me and their opinions is something that is so on my shoulders. It is it's the voice. It is very much. So um, I'm curious, do you think we ever, cause I, I'm the same way. I mean, I feel like I've made some progress in softening or not caring as much, but still it's there. It feels like a heavy burden as well. Like what will they think? What will so-and-so think? Do we, do we ever, I'm just curious for all of us to talk about this. Do we ever get out from underneath that? Do we ever reach a point? I mean, Deepak Chopra, my teacher has said the space to be is where someone who pays you a compliment does not affect you. And someone who says something harsh and negative you, to you does not affect you. Like that's where we want to aim is that we are not impacted by positive feedback, which hello, don't you live for positive, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're not impacted by negative um, judgments. You are just okay with who you are in the middle all the time. Doesn't matter what, cause other people's opinions are just that. They're, it's their opinions. That's really hard. But do we, do we ever <laughs> reach yeah. a point where? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know either and I, I really do love words of affirmation. <laughs> we all do, we do right? Yeah. I really do. And I, you know, I, I've got to, I've got to just continue to work on that so that it sits more inside of me. Um, because I understand by not, by being susceptible to that you can really just blow in the wind. Yeah. And Cause you're going for the next for, achievement yes. or the next yes. accolade because then you'll get positive feet. Like it's, there's a dependency on that. Yes for yeah. yeah a sense of self versus just like I'm okay in myself whether someone hates me or loves me and but that's a it, hard place it is very hard but it's also the work right so the more yeah, we that's work good. toward that and um start to realize that a lot of the responses we receive and take in are more about the other person and 100% where they about are them on their own journey yep. mm -hmm. and so by just releasing ourselves from needing to be the cause or the the reason for, I think, um, there's a lot of freedom in that. Yes. And it doesn't mean we don't care about others. It just means we don't have to take that on. Yeah. Yeah. And solve it for them. Yes. I, I, I that's the work for me right now, yeah. Kate. It really, really is because I, you know, I think what I have sensed growing inside of me was, I think I, I have to really take it, take a look at, what, what do I want the next part of my life to be? And I think being able to have some time to really think, I, I, I wanna have an impact, I wanna be able to have something meaningful. I think that maybe goes to your point about ego too, when you, starting, you start thinking, wait, what, what am I going to be able to do that's beyond myself, greater yeah. than myself later in life? And I'm really thinking that through in ways that um, maybe I, you know, I've coached tennis and yet I feel like that's been so valuable for me. And I think innately in me is probably going back to my dad as a coach and a teacher. Yeah. I think that that is yeah. like part of who I am. 
but it's also like I'm ready for new exciting challenges that I'm not quite sure what they might be, but there's, there's like, I don't know if I can articulate this, but I don't know if you guys have felt this, but there's like something that's like itching behind me. Mm. That is almost a vision of a new future that I can't Mm. quite, I don't know what it is, but it's making me very unsettled. Yes. Do you see it? Yes. Yes. But excited too. It is exciting. It's unknown. So it's a little uncertain, which is scary, but it's something that's like, it's right up against me. And the feeling has brought me to a moment where, you know, I'm trying to evaluate what do I do professionally here forward? What do I do personally? I mean, I have a lovely, wonderful partner for 22 years and we're reevaluating if we're going to be able to be our best selves together. And so much of your talk about this, Betsy, has informed me in many valuable ways. That's very, very hard, but it's feeling like really present. And then I also got to create a wonderful home life situation for my two daughters that are growing up in this world that is you know, giving them these powerful messages that's allowing them to become their authentic selves. Yeah. And yeah. 16, 17, 14, A lot 15, younger than we are. I can't right? imagine yeah. where I was trying so hard to make people proud of me in a certain mold, what now my daughters are able to imagine so sooner in their lives for themselves. And so in trying to create an environment that is um, allowing the that best authentic self to come out in them too. I'm so, so inspired by you. Oh, no. that's no, I, I am too. so inspired. Just your your honesty. Yes. And like the first thing you said is, I don't know if you guys have ever felt this way. Oh. And before you even yeah, went in, I was going to be like, you? Yeah, you I think probably <laughs> we all. And then as you went, like I'm shaking my head. Our assistant <laughs> yeah. Sean yeah. is like shaking his head. We're all like, Yes. Yeah. It's sort of like this future. I love how you said it's like itching you. Yes. It's like behind you. It's like urging you forward. It's in a way pushing you forward. Yes. And you know that there's something better and different. And it's, and I think that's like the hand of. Spirit, universe, like sort of like we know a a path for you and you can you yeah, can you trust and surrender? Or you can also fight it and stay in the old and I think we do have choice around that. But I love your conscious awareness of like there's something there and it's pushing me and it's super scary yes. and it's also really exciting yes. and oh my gosh yes. i relate to that 100 and like 10%. Yeah, i i me too. I well before we started recording i was telling you something that i had heard on the we can do hard things podcast just the other day and i, I was in the, my kitchen cutting up an avocado when i heard this <laughs> i remember exactly cuz it was like those moments and it said you know the the universe will push you to the edge of the cliff and encourage you to jump. And I think I'm there. I I really think that is where I am. And the universe will eventually catch you, but before it does, you free fall. And I do feel like the free fall is just, just so exciting and scary and unknown and hopeful all at the same time. And it's hard, like some days it feels more hopeful and some days it feels more scary. And 
it changes kind of minute by minute, even, mm-hmm. you know, at other moments in my day, you know, I can um, sometimes come across a friend and their life seems so in order, <laughs> but you know, it's not, <laughs> you know, and then I'm like, gosh, no. I don't have any, what am I doing yeah, wrong? No. Yeah. And that's the thing when you're like, I maybe want to climb back up the cliff a little bit because, yeah. and then it's like, no, I, I do trust that there are some other things ahead, but part of that trust has come from, um, hearing like great stories, like by women like you who have encouraged that and who have spoken about that and who have said it, it, it is okay. Like yeah. it will be okay. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think women in general in this time, it does, maybe we're talking about it more, but it really feels like there's some, there's something going women. on. Yes. I, like women supporting women. What right is now. this? Yes. And women like making changes, women like yes. making big changes. Yes. And, and support, there's more, it feels more supportive. The environment feels more supportive. Yeah. And I yeah. think we're also feeling, I think the feminine is rising. Yes. Yeah. I the feminine COVID energy has agree. required those, some of those, the, we did the great episode that'll come out in a few weeks about feminine and masculine energy, but that energy has been needed Yes. to keep people safe, to um, allow space for people to talk about what's happening in our world. Yes. And so as that energy is rising, I think women are starting to coalesce and support one another in a yes. bigger way. Because if we don't do that, yes, we will, we are divided and there are certain realities that are happening to women's rights right now yes. that mm-hmm. we can't ignore. And if we don't get, if we don't bring ourselves together in support of one another, there's some risk in not doing that. So I do feel like yeah. it's naturally happening, but it's also happening as a result of some of the pressures of our society right now and the realities. I've, I've done a lot of research, um, you know, as we go into 50 years of Title IX legislation, which I know we yeah. wanted to talk about too, but it all kind of comes together. So as I've been learning more about the passage of legislation in 1972 for equal opportunities for women in higher education, which, by the way, can I just pause? Nineteen seventy-two. Nineteen seventy-two. Yeah, that's crazy. It is that crazy. It took into like yes. it's not that long. And I think probably ago, right? Do you know no, what I mean? That's no. not you know. That's life. our yeah. lifetime, yes. right? Yes. And I can I can imagine that in nineteen seventy-two they would say, okay, in fifty years we may be in a situation like we don't even need this legislation. Uh huh. Boy, do we need it more, more than, than ever. ever right now. And when so that ended up eventually affecting collegiate athletics. And so, um, you know, we're the home of Dr. Christine Gran, and I was lucky enough to have her as an athletic director. And she was actually president of the AIAW, which is the Association of Intercollegiate Athletics for Women. women. So yeah. it was an organization that was run by women, led by women mm. for women's athletics. And in the late 70s, they had crafted a plan that if if that was allowed to move forward today, I can't I even imagine how much farther. They had a, a million dollar deal with NBC Sports to put on all women's mm-hmm. sports at all divisions, at all different levels. They were far ahead in terms of student athlete involvement and voices. And her ideal model was so that collegiate coaches should be paid on an equal level with <sighs> professors at the university level. It would have cha- transformed where we are. And we, eventually were taken over by the NCAA and their model because they were threatened by Mm -hmm. the opportunity for a women's organization to run women's national championships. Mm. And they took over. Isn't that amazing? They (gasps) took over. And women's athletics 
moved into the model that was a male-dominated model of NCAA sports to the point where, you know, 18 months ago, we were still hosting a women's NCAA basketball tournament that had completely unequal opportunities um, for for women and men. And the women were using social media platform to say, this is our weight weight room, room. which has a yoga mat and two free weights. And this is the men's weight room at the hotel across the street. That is the size of a convention center. And in 2021, yeah, in 2021, and we weren't on primetime TV and we weren't getting the corporate sponsorships and going back to untamed. It's these structural systems. Yes. That's what we're breaking yep. open. That has yes. allowed. Yep. And, and, and one of the things that I know Glenn and Do- it also resonated with me and I am a huge fan of gratitude. I think gratitude is really important. But what she cautions is to be careful about being too grateful for the situation of which we're in. Yes. We need anger, actually. We need anger because anger is the motivating factor that takes us forward. So Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, I'm so grateful that we, you know. We at least have this. Yes. Thank you for this. Yes. And yet, if you go back to, we could have had a completely different world if the women leaders were allowed to move forward in 1978 with what their model was. And that's the difference. Yes. Do we let women lead? Yes. Because if the systems continue to be run in the way they are, and you can see it all over. Across every discipline. Yes. Because you look at other countries where women are leading. It looks and feels different. And it doesn't mean all women. I don't. I want to say that up front. Like there, there, yes, there are women that lead as men, and that or in more masculine ways. But overall, there is a difference, and it's it's the leadership. It's the ones breaking down the structures, changing the way that things are organized, um, that that will make the ultimate difference. Mm. We can't just shoehorn things in and say, well. And that's what happened in 1978 or whenever. Incredible. And we had the woman who was leading that cause from Iowa City, Iowa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's amazing. It's incredible what she did on behalf of the world. Yes. And And you've been a champion. Yeah. You you feel like you've taken the baton and you're running with it. I just feel so grateful to have landed in a spot of which she impacted my life and how did I suddenly get to be here yeah (laughs) and she was the timing of it all so well known nationally but within our Hawkeye community I don't think we know who we had here living in Coralville and at the lake you know for all of these wonderful years and you know we're all I mean our lives are completely impacted by what she the foundation that she laid for Mm. being able to 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 your point Kate create an environment that was allowing women to learn leadership skills. And I think at first she was really advocating girls want to be physically active. They want to play sports and they deserve opportunities. And she just loved field hockey and loved netball. And she wanted to run and play and she was physical. And then she also knew, and I think as she aged, it became so meaningful to her to actually see by virtue of that experience, what's, traits and skill sets were just embedded in these women and then to look at where they went in their lives Mm -hmm. and then that was what was really creating Mm -hmm. the change we have you know the Mm -hmm. 98 percent of c-suite executive women can trace their leadership skills back to athletics Athletics, yeah but Sasha I am as I'm sitting here with you I can see that someday 
someone saying that about you. Uh-huh. Oh, like, do you know what I mean? Like Christine Grant, we didn't know what we had and in this town and, and I, and how much she impacted me. And I'm like, gosh, but Sasha, you, you're also creating this you're for young women that. and you're living that. Yeah. We're all standing on the shoulders of giants, but you are like now well, the next one that really people are going to be standing yeah, on your shoulders. So what I, what I feel like, um, is part of itching on me, like on my shoulder mm-hmm. too, is that, that reimagining every structure that I encounter in a way that could be yes, different. Yes, 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 yes. All of us. Yes. And so within yes. collegiate athletics, it's, it's just a complete patriarchal s- structure that supports, you know, the revenue men's sports. And I am, I don't miss a Hawkeye football game. I love I love our men's sports and I came here as a Hayden Fry, Tom Davis fan and just, I am a huge Hawkeye. So in no way am I ever wanting to take away any opportunities from our men's sports or, but we just need to make more room at the table and women, Mm. you know, how many times in our lives would we say, you know what, you should put your financial future in the hands of a man or anybody, anybody else other than yourselves. And that's what we've done in collegiate athletics, Mm. women's sports. We just, We're we're at the liberty of waiting for the revenues to come on, on the men's side. And when we got to the pandemic and couldn't have football, boy, was that a wake up call for me that we now have put our future in the hands of this revenue men's sport. And mm. we have to take responsibility for creating other uh, other opportunities. Yeah. And we are valuable. Absolutely. Yes. We should have corporate sponsorships yes. and we should charge admission and we should reimagine you know, and I think I'm really pr- pr- proud of Lisa Bluter and Caitlin Clark and selling out Carver Hawkeye. Anybody that thinks that like, you know, women's sports are a lesser product or, I mean, we are a different product, but we have value. Yeah. And when you can trace and Dr. One of my favorite quotes, it's on my office of Dr. Grant was that, you know, a sport experience can transform and empower a woman. She said, perhaps unlike any other. And she had an unshakable belief in that. Mm-hmm. And what is more powerful than that? Mm-hmm. There's power in that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if quite we've even realized the power in that. Right. So that's when when I get excited, I think about what are new ways we can try to maximize that. Mm-hmm. And um, and you know, and I don't I don't know how it all turns out because we are like constantly up against systems that have been in place for so long. See, this is, but I think this is what we're all feeling right yep, now. We so do. we're all feeling this itch. Yeah. And, and I think on some level we're feeling it personally. I mean, I felt the yep. itch. You're feeling the itch. Kate's felt the itch. So we're seeing these personal changes. But I think, because I'm such a macro yeah, level, yes. level person, um, it's bigger than that. And I think we're all feeling the itch of like these patriarchal systems, whether it's in higher ed, whether it's in hospital settings, whether it's in government, it does not work. It actually doesn't even benefit men. men. Yes. <laughs> it harms yes. all of us, yes. right? Yes. We're all losing out yes. on this. And so I think the itch is part of us. Like, yes, we have to start to break down these yeah. systems. We have to start to break down these stories and we have to start to envision different ways of yes. doing it. Yes. Yeah. That, that I'm here for that. I'm here for I'm that here. too. I I, that yes. is what I, I all in. get enough of that. And what I think is also hard about that is that when you're trying to advocate for that, I'm coming up against being branded sometimes as a disruptor. Yeah, mm-hmm. we are. 
Yes. Wild yeah. women, we are disruptors. Yes. And so navigating that. Yes. Because there could be time to consistently bring up another vision in almost every meeting that I attend. Mm -hmm. Yes. And um, creating an atmosphere where maybe if there was one other person in the room that said, actually, Let's, talk about that. let's let's support let's, the yes, yes, yes. yes we've got to do that for one another because it's push it's it becomes it can becoming exhausting yeah yeah so this is why yeah this is why <gasps> yeah. we need each other yes. but you're right you're a disruptor and Kate's a disruptor and I'm a disruptor and so that's why those 10 years and starting to see your early patterning of like oh but I just wanted to be good and I wanted to yes. please and I wanted to yes. kick a greats and yes. I wanted to get into law school yes. we have to break out of that too because we we were trained early on to be good and to be quiet and to follow the rules and for where all this itching we're feeling right now is the itching of like you got to disrupt you guys. Yeah, yeah. We're doing this for our kids. We're doing this for our grandkids. We're doing this for the generations. Stuff has to change. Yes. And be a voice for that. And I, one thing, my, I have a wonderful coworker and he kind of is a great processor for me. And he had mentioned this to me the other day. He said, Sasha, you fight for causes outside of yourself. You fight, you fight, you're fighting for my contract. You fight for Dr. Grant. You fight for different facilities to be built on the University of Iowa campus. But I didn't see you fight as hard for yourself oh, and your contracts. Oh, wow. Okay, my fellow yeah. advocate. Yeah. We are both advocates. We are trained advocates. Yeah. Yeah, you lawyers. Yes. You. Yeah. And and mm. so we, we get yeah. caught up in fighting the fight to represent others. I've been thinking about this so much. Mm. Yes. That's and, a good lesson And it was not you. It wasn't until somebody says it to me. That you know, and someone I held up the mirror. Yes, yes. Yes. And then I'm like, gosh, so, you know, I've got to navigate and work through that too, because I think there's a part of me that I'm looking for champions of myself. I'm looking for someone to champion. Oh. Right. And it needs okay. But this yes. is, but I feel like this is part of what we're talking about that. I do think we have to do the inner work. Like we talked about, you're the only person will be with you for the rest of this life. Yeah. We have to champion ourselves and that that's hard, yeah. like going in and really putting yourself first, making a decision for yourself first. We've been taught as women that selfish, yep. you know, yes. put other people first. Yes. And yes. so we're so, we're so good at that. Yes. So we feel bad and guilty when we put ourselves first. So I think that's the key is we have to learn, but we need each other. Yes. Because we need, right. I need Kate to be like, Betsy, is this okay for you? Yeah. And we need to look at you and say, Sasha. Yeah. Like you are so worthy yes, of putting right. yourself first and making the decisions that are in your highest interest. Yes. Yes. So I, I, we need that, each other. It, I'm right there working. That is also my work. And even when you're speaking, I can go back and think that the times when that muscle was like flexed in me mm. was when I played tennis mm. because I had to fight for myself. It's an individual it's sport. It's an individual sport. And I, and I, and they're also in that competitive arena, there was permission to do that. Oh, oh wow. This feels big. Yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> yeah. A little psychologist yeah, in now, me is like, the oh, there's yeah. a thread. There's a thread. We have to follow that thread. Oh, we work it through. That's but this is so yeah. good, right? Like the, yeah. and this is even speaking to all of your feelings about sports and why it's so important yeah. is that you are given permission for a short period of time in your life when you yes. were in competitive tennis to fight for yourself. Yes. And then you get out of that. And so you you have the muscle memory. Yeah. 
but all of society has trained us to be like, you're not, not, not here, not, yes. not here. Yes. fight for other people, fight for your kids, yes. fight for your family, fight for your coworkers. But yes, but that's reserved. But, you, but you've but learned, I, I it. learned it. And I love watching that take place in my young women on my team. Yes. I love watching them fight for themselves, fight for themselves. Uh, but so some of the work for you as you coach them beyond the court is how does that show up for them in life? Transferably. Yes. Which I'm still. And that, so even trying, being vulnerable yes. about that, like I, you know, because I think that's a gift you give them beyond them being on the team, yes. right? It's how do you take this? Yes. Like you called it a muscle. How yes. do you take that out into the world? And I think uh, you know, as I'm thinking through it right now, that has to juxtapose against that concept of being grateful. I want to go back to that yeah, too, because yeah. that was a big aha for you, for me, as you were talking about it. Mm, yeah. Because again, we're trained to be grateful. Just yeah. be grateful that you have a job. So just be grateful for, yeah, you're going to yeah, pay me. Just yeah. be grateful. Yeah. Just be grateful. Yeah. I mean, I lived under the, the, <sighs> the dark cloud of gratefulness because I kept saying to myself, Betsy, you have so much good in your life. Can't you just be grateful and not ache, not yeah. listen to that itch that's yeah. saying there's something more. Yeah. Yeah. I... And that was Untamed for me. That was the book Untamed because I'm a huge fan of a gratitude journal. And, you know, my, my 14 year old can sometimes have a really tough day. And right before bed, the way I can calm her down is, let's say, three things we're grateful for. So we've done that for a long time. So I, I, I really do love gratitude. And so and I know it's important. But then when is it like. I don't, Brene Brown talks Stifling. about near en enemies, uh -huh. which it's almost like the near <laughs> yes. enemy to like undervaluing yourself. Yes. <laughs> and growth. Yes. Yeah. Because yes. you should just be okay, okay with it. Yeah. Yes. And so yeah. it's all of those things trying to like, I have all of that in my head trying to sort through that. And there is, there is a greater uncomfortableness in fighting for myself than fighting for somebody else or a cause. Mm -hmm. Yeah that's also trying to put yourself in a position where I'm going to, this is going to be uncomfortable and I know uncomfortable is not bad and uncomfortable is good, but it still is, is, is a lot harder. And I would much rather someone else yeah. go in there and just be my champion. I read, I read, sponsor me. Oh my gosh. I <laughs> hadn't thought about it until you just said that I resonate with this so much because mm. the whole idea of being trained as a lawyer is you have a side and you are representing that side and you are taking that story forward and you are advocating for, for and it's somebody else. And, it, and you set, literally have to separate yourself, right? So the idea that suddenly at 48, I'm 50, mm -hmm. like advocating for ourselves yeah. and what we want feels almost like we're taking that training and saying, is it okay for me to do oh this God. for myself. This is, I think, such an aha for you too. Like I'm uh, watching both of yeah, you. Like, no, I, whoa. Because I feel like I, in order to maximize whatever I feel like is pushing up with me in the future, I feel like it actually is probably kind of different than what I've even experienced up until my life, up until this point. So I think I'm going to have to advocate for myself. Yeah, I'm going to have to tell somebody what I have inside of me. Like this is like, cause he won't even be able to like, you know, look at even my past experiences yeah. and say, okay, you know, like uh, this is a fit, you know, I think it's going to have to be something. And I don't, and I'm 
I'm speaking so generally because I don't know what it is, but it feels like there's a moment where I'm just going to have to go in there and say, I'm your person. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, yes. Ha- it's very hard and scary. And I would love somebody just to pluck me out of the universe and mm-hmm. find me, but I'm going to have to start mm-hmm. to be my own can I, hero. Can here. I yes. do something yes. like, um, witchy, spiritual, psychological, and we can totally edit this. It could totally not be a part of this podcast, (laughs) but I'm getting the download right now. I'm like, okay, Betsy. Okay. So you talked about that you had this muscle as a collegiate tennis player, that you fought for yourself. Mm -hmm. Every time you were on the court, you fought for yourself. So you, a lot of women, don't have that. So they actually never had a period of time where they fought for themselves, but you have it. So I want you, and you can close your eyes if you need to, but I want you to like go back and just see yourself on that tennis court, um, in your nineties hair, um, (laughs) wearing whatever you wore and like even just bringing back to mind one of your biggest opponents and just seeing the scoreboard and seeing the tennis racket in your hand and sort of feeling the sweat dripping off you and, you know, watching and, and just like reconnecting because she's not gone. She's still in you, Sasha. Yeah. Reconnect to her, feel her and even like get back into the sensation of her and just tell me like, what are you, what are you feeling right now? So I can go immediately to... Well, a couple different matches, but I'm, I'm moving to a match that was at Michigan State, actually. Mm. And I can feel the word that comes to my mind is unabashedly fight. Like, mm. fi- like it's a physical presence. It's a fist pumping. It's shoulders back. It's um, power. It's, it is. It's powerful. It's um, very like it's it's a very large presence. Um, Mm. that, um, I could, could completely exist in and own and feel really, really good about. Okay. So I want you to stay there because that's so beautiful. Stay on that Michigan state court and just like feel it in your body, feel her like reconnect her. In fact, say, Oh, hello, young Sasha. Like I remember you with those shoulders back and unabashedly, just fighting for, you know, this win and just like feel her so present with you. And then even ask her, say, will you come with me? Cause I'm starting some new chapters in my life and I need you. I want you to be with me. I want you to remind me of what it feels like to have my shoulders back and to be like so unabashedly present Yes. And I need you to come with me because in that match, we beat somebody we had never beaten before. Mm. Yes. <laughs> and I'm going to need to do that. Yeah. We need forward. to do it again. Yeah. What's she say to you? Yeah, we can do it. Yeah. Yeah. No. She's like, I'm in, man. I'm, I'm up for it. Because that is a match where I had lost to that player and got over the hump. And it was this huge to be able to think that you could do something that you've actually had experience of not doing before, I think is what I'm, it, that's what you're yes. connecting me to. Beautiful. Yes. Yeah. So even though these things that are coming that are itching on your yep. back, you've never done before. Yep. There's um, possible. Yeah. That's totally possible. possible. And you've got like that. That is, that's, that was, that is 
I'm going to, that is going to help me. Yeah. Thank you for that, Betsy. Find a picture of her, yeah. of you after that win and put it on your desk. Yeah. 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 And I went, I went immediately to that. Match. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Your mind knew like, yeah, oh, that's where I have to go. But when you said there are women that have never had that experience, um, and maybe I'm wrong. I'm, I'm I feel like curious we all, about you guys. I don't know. I feel like we all, it's really the idea that we all have it inside of us. Mm-hmm. We just maybe haven't tapped into it in 25 years. Mm-hmm. We haven't. So I think, I think there's, it's possible that for most people it existed at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's probably true, but you mm-hmm. have to sometimes really dig to find times when you, when you were unabashedly yourself, when you were authentic, when you were in your power, when you made decisions from the heart, like because there really wasn't any time in my life where I would be so, where I would fight so much for myself. Because even in those situations, you have to fight on a line call. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, that wasn't out. No one else is going to do that, that for you. That ball was in. You need, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, it, and you're and you allowed really, to fight you, against a man yes. usually, yes. right? Yes. I mean, you you have to, Often. yes. And I think I think I can, I can vividly remember at some point, maybe around 16 or 17, feeling that like, wow, this is actually okay. Like I can Mm. actually do this here. But then, you know, it didn't move past that. Mm -hmm. But I do love, well, I love coaching because I love seeing that in women. But I also love a group specifically of women coming together and achieving something that wasn't even on a goal sheet. You know, like it wasn't even like, it's not even like we wrote this goal down at the beginning of the year and we achieved it. The most magical times happen when yes. it's something Unexpected. that you didn't even, this wasn't even uh, on our list of something. And so I'm also feeling that now, Betsy, mm. like that is also what I love about my job and coaching. But that's what I'm kind of feeling like there's, what is that out there too? Like there's something else. Mm-hmm. And maybe I've thought that I was on a, on a trajectory that was, you know, you kind of knew where you were going, but what I'm being told, I think in so many ways from this universe is that it's not, it's really, you're going to have to like you said, you have to let a lot of that go Yeah, yeah. in order to make space for what could be, I'm going to have to really not know exactly like there's some sort of great magical moment that I've witnessed in tennis, but that's ahead in me. And I don't (sighs) even know what it is. Because I can't, it's, it's like impossible to even write down. You don't right? even know. You don't even know. And that's why I coach for that. But I've got to try. You're helping me. Like all yeah. of these things are transferable. I'm processing it. As <laughs> right now. That's what I'm hoping happens. But it's kind of like allowing space for that, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Um, I have this theory too that when we talk about careers and kind of where we, the success metrics of where we think we're headed, we've always been taught there's a ladder get on the ladder and start heading up. But I really feel like the more women that I work with that, and I call it a rock wall now, mm. you're heading up, but then you're going over. Mm. And maybe you go down. Yeah. And then you go sideways. Those being willing to get off that kind of path that was set for you and creating your own mm. to get where you want to go, it's harder. It's scarier but I think it's way more rewarding when you finally get there mm. because you're, you're, you're carving your own path. Mm. And so to me, that's how we get around the patriarchal yes. systems. Yes. We don't just fall in line. Yes. 
we look for new ways to take our skills to solve problems, to start new businesses, to create, you know, take new ideas to next levels, to coach yes. other women, whatever yeah. it is. To me, the more women that are doing that, the greater change we see overall. Yeah. And if we're all disruptors, which I believe mm. all of us sitting at this table are, yeah. wild women who are disruptors in the best way possible, that means that we can't just stay comfortable yeah. in a small life. Mm. We can't just be like, I should be grateful mm. because this is pretty good. Mm -hmm. Or um, this is the safe bet. Or, you know, I'm just gonna turn my, I'm gonna turn and look away about that. Cause mm -hmm. right, if we have to, right, yeah. we have to have and the so. courage to really step up and listen to the itch and follow the call and trust that there's something better and, and you know, surround ourselves with people doing the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've taken a lot of comfort in seeing this grow in other women. It's really, really been helpful. Like, I mean, I just, I don't know, again, if I can imagine um, being able to process the stuff that I think is inside my head unless I had the conversations that you guys are having, the other conversations of the other women that I'm speaking about, because um, it feels very um, new. I, I mean, I'm not sure like my mom's generation had these yeah, conversations. I don't no. think they had the space for it. Yeah. They didn't. No. So it seems very... Um, very new and very timely. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think you, who knows what the future comes from all of these things that are starting to take place because once we can maybe get to the point of you're talking about Kate with the rock wall, what might happen is that there's just more women that are at the table or in leadership positions that will start to understand the value of transferable traits, right? Because we're not climbing this ladder, which I do think is a form of like a male patriarchy, mm -hmm. like organizational structure. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we've got, I just feel like women are just multitaskers by nature. Yep. So they're going to go in a lot of different directions and, and creative and be and creative, yes. but you know, hopeful that we can have some men leaders that can identify with that yes. and pick that up, but also hopeful that there's enough women that can see that in themselves and see that in others and champion other women so that we can start to like really feel like this is, this is possible. Um, I've, I recently read this amazing, I mean, I think in all of these structures, right? So I've recently been reading a fantastic book called, um, Un, um, conscious uncoupling. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that book. Isn't that a great book? So powerful. And I think it's just like talking about like, you know, going through changes in a marriage and the word divorce is so incredibly so loaded, negative yes. and harsh. everything is negative and harsh and very, again, the structure. Shame. Yeah. Yes. It's a structure. Mm -hmm. It's a structure. But when I, ha I read this book by this woman who saw it differently and her perspective just shows that it doesn't, like we can create new ideas of this in ways right. that don't serve like a society where women are financially independent now and more have more opportunities to achieve more things in their life. And maybe if we're all evolving, like it's, a, it's, it's kind of like, why is it so detrimental to find a way that we can continue to keep growing? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because you know? it's scary for the those who, for whom the system works, so works very really well. well. Yeah. Be very well. Yeah. yeah. 
And that's what I'm, con- I'm, I'm coming up against that, you mm-hmm. know, and, and it doesn't need, you know, I mean, there's an entire new way of an imagining things that can allow women to continue and men to continue to keep growing. And because we'll all benefit, we will right? all benefit, we will all benefit. Yeah. And I think the more like all of these women's voice that, you know, maybe it's just unique, but they've all been women's voices that have been, you know, writing books, doing podcasts, like being able to write articles that have really been making me see things in new ways. And that can't just be coincidence. No, I don't think yeah. so. I think that's the times we're in. Yeah, I think so too. You want to yeah. ask her? Yeah. You want, yeah, I'll ask her. You've heard this question because you've listened to every one of our podcasts. <laughs> I have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to ask it anyway, because we love this question. And we love uh, for all women to reflect on what has contributed to them becoming a wild woman. And we definitely believe, Sasha, that you are a wild woman. Yes, you are. All right. So if you have a deep scar, that's a door. If you have an old, old story, that is a door. If you love the sky and the water so much, you can almost not bear it. That is a door. And if you yearn for a deeper life, a full life, a sane life, that is a door. Which door did you take? So the first time I heard you read this question, and I was so excited because, and I have now three copies of, of, <laughs> oh. of her book. We're yeah, going to give one to for you today. <laughs> oh, I, I immediately bought that on Amazon. But I, so I, you read that and you went through the first three and they didn't resonate but then you read the fourth one. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I remember the first time you read it and I thought, well, because I was thinking, oh, I might not have a door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Because I don't think it's an old story and I don't think it's the sky and the water and I don't think it's a scar. But then the last searching for a life. Deeper of, life, deep, full, yes, life, full life, sane life. And, and meaningful life. Mm, you know, that yes. has, that is something that's really important to me. Um like on an Enneagram, I'm a number seven, which is like mm. constantly trying to like make meaning out of the projects that you're in. And that. so it, that, and what, yes. and, and I, I was so happy that there was something that you, that on that list, there was a door that resonated with me. Yeah. Cause yeah. I feel how powerful that is. Yeah. And it's definitely the last door. Yeah. And yeah. you are, you are deep in that right now. Yes. Yeah. 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 And again, I can that's remember where you were when you mm-hmm. read it for the first time. And I thought, oh, that's, that is it for me, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, you are such a light to so many people. You are, you are moving mountains, whether you realize it or not. You are. You are changing systems. You are improving them. You are growing women. You are empowering them through all of your work as a coach, as a mom, as all of it. So thank you for sharing your story and where you're at and your growth path and being vulnerable today because it's, it's re, it is really important for us to, to do this together and to support one another. Well, I appreciate that. And thanks for having these conversations. You have, whether you've known it or not, you've been along this journey with me in my hearts mm-hmm. and in my souls as I've processed these things on my walks and on my drive. So mm-hmm. You both um, are really right there and inspiring and really been in really deep ways informing me as I kind of, I tackle one thing after another here in life. So it's an honor. Yeah. It I don't know where it honor. ends. 
you know, None maybe eventually <laughs> there's another episode where, you know, we are like, yeah. oh, this is where Catch it led. Catch back up. Yeah. I love yeah. it. We'd love to have that happen. Yes, this sweet. is one of the most inspiring conversations I think oh, so too. Had. So Honestly. really, thank you for being I'm so authentic and believe, so open hearted. I feel the same way. Oh, I just I had like, I did. I had oh. goosebumps the entire time. <laughs> yeah. I was just, I could have thank gone you. for another hour. I know. Thank you. Thank you, Sasha. Thank you. And now the amazing singer songwriter, Lissy Morris with Wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week.